Steel Toes and Scoreboards Podcast. Word association, Dirty Curdy, first thing that comes to mind. He changed the league, am I wrong? God, I hate Tom Brady. He's talented, but yeah. You just won't call him the goat, will you? We should have called ourselves the Hashtag Tits Podcast. A thousand downloads a day, guaranteed. Dude, it is talking sports. I love it, bro. <laughs> <laughs> is he the best running back you've ever seen? If he's not, then who is? Who do you put at number one, bro? There will be a Detroit Pistons Bad Boys episode one day. And you love that two-year run, don't you? No, I do. You can get a hot bat anywhere. You build around your pitching, or at least I do if I'm in charge. Pitching and defense wins your World Series, hands down. I came out of the closet <laughs> as a Lakers fan. Whoa, bro, scared me there for a second. Ah, uh, sure bet, sure bet. <laughs> there will be an increase of boxing talk on this show. I love boxing. I'm down for that anytime. Our few non-sports episodes have been pretty well received. We do good things by running a two-fold podcast. Please put Pete Rose in the damn Hall of Fame. Charlie Hustle, the all-time hits leader. It's political bullshit. And if he ever sees the Hall of Fame, he'll be after he's no longer with us. I miss the NBA I grew up on in the 90s and the early 2000s. The game isn't the same, but these kids can play. We're starting to talk more hockey, and that's, you know, that's that's never a bad thing. Puck the world, puck it all. Puck the world, Kurt (laughs) says. I promise you, I can work a pro wrestling reference into every episode. Want to see me do it? Weird flex, but okay. I can't believe, uh, seriously, in all seriousness, I can't believe we've been doing this show a year now. I can't believe people still listen after a year, you know. You have the perfect face for radio. Oh, cut me deep, son. Cut me deep. He exploded a bird with a fastball. I seen it happen. Randy Johnson, the big unit. The the big unit. So, uh, you know, I I got a little soccer news for you. Now, let me stop you right there. That's a no for me. We don't talk soccer on this show. (laughs) All right. Fair enough. Let me ask you, though. Does Kobe win three in a row without Shaq on the Lakers? What do you think? Boy, that's that's, uh, pretty tough. All right. Well, look at it this way. He's a future Hall of Fame quarterback. Without question. And he's still so young. Lots of knowledge left in that kid. All right, guys. Enjoy the next episode of Steel Toes and Scoreboards coming to you now. All right, guys, welcome to another episode of Steel Toes and Scoreboards. Jared Atkins, uh, Kirk Kelly should be joining me momentarily, hopefully. <clears throat> we are uh, doing a Weeknight Chronicles episode tonight, so just uh, hang tight just a second. Let me uh, try to get a hold of old puss here, and uh, if we can't, we'll start rolling tape, and uh, maybe he'll chime in. I'm sorry, the person you are trying to reach has voicemail box that has not been set up yet. Alright, well we'll just wait for his uh wait for his call. Alright guys, Thursday, October October shit, I wish it was October. Thursday, 
August 11th, 2022, a little after 7 p.m. here on a beautiful Thursday night. Summer heat wasn't too bad today, so. Uh, and we're going to start, we're going to start uh, with a story breaking out of Nashville the last couple of days. And it's going to be something that we, I don't think we have ever, ever covered on this show before. And it, it deals with, it deals with the uh, U.S. Olympic sports in a way. Uh, a federal lawsuit coming out of Nashville, Tennessee this week says that the USA fencing team, this is the national governing body for the sport, failed to protect a Tennessee teenager from sexual abuse over a two-year period. So, yeah, we're going to start with some... Uh, Grizzly news, I guess, because I just wanted to I wanted to rant about this. The girl and her parents filed a lawsuit last month against the Colorado-based organization, as well as her former coach, Robert Peranio, and the Nashville business that he ran called the Music City Fencing Club. He's uh he's 38 years old. He got indicted by a grand jury last year on 108 counts of alleged sex crimes involving this girl uh, is, is what local law enforcement has said. Now, he's currently in jail. Uh, Nashville, you know, Metro Davidson. That's a that's a kind of a rough place to be. So good for him being in there. The lawsuit was first reported by the Tennessee Lookout. Uh and it says that a prominent U.S. fencing coach member began pressuring the girl for photos when she was only 13 years old. And when she was reluctant to send this content to this slimy bastard, he offered significant financial compensation. I guess I want you to stop and think about this for a minute. You are a guy. I know it's, I know it's hard to do because, believe me, two of my, two of my three children are... are girls and their ages eight and four so it's hard but just just think about this for a minute you are a guy in your 30s your mid to late 30s and you're looking at a 13 year old girl who's starting to develop and everything and then you want to see pictures of her and when she says no to you you don't take no for an answer which you should you shouldn't even be questioning it to begin with but then you you offer her a significant amount of money to a 13 like how fucked in the head do you have to be for something like this like is this not completely ugh. but it, uh continuing on in response to the increasing pressure on the girl uh Pranio sent dozens of fo- the, the girl sent Dozens of photos of herself naked or in semi-naked sexually suggestive positions. So she got she wants or she goes ahead and does it anyways. This poor child, the the mental trauma that she's got to be going through, she goes ahead and does it anyways. This becomes a regular pattern for for him, and he starts to escalate it significantly. And when I say by that, like he starts to touch her inappropriately, repeatedly. Uh, the lawsuit says USA Fencing should have done more to prevent the abuse of this girl, who is now 16, so only three years have went by since this happened. 
And as figured, very sadly, which is should piss not only every parent in the country off, in the world off, it should piss everybody in the world off. She has suffered serious or severe emotional injuries as a result of the negligence of the USA Fencing Club, and including anxiety, depression, stress, grief, humiliation, the works. Uh, now, the U.S. Fencing spokesperson, Brian Wendell, said the organization could not comment on pending litigation, but it does make a safety priority. Sa- it does make safety priority for its participants. Yeah, I bet you're not going to issue a comment on this, you son of a bitch, because you, you know, you guys are all about saving face. Um, this is something that needs dealt with on the highest of levels. Like this guy needs to. I don't really know what to say about the the program itself, the USA fencing. Uh, this is the governing body. This is technically considered. Uh, it was in the Olympic section of all the sports news because I pull headlines from everywhere. That's the governing body for fencing. I don't know how liable they are in this. I know what I think. But I'm more so concerned about the son of a bitch that did it. Like, this dude never needs to see the outside of a jail wall. It's, you know, it, it's bad enough that he touched her and he requested. It's slimy enough that he off he paid this poor girl. Dude, like, I just, I can't wrap my head around that. Number one, he's fucking around with a... a She's still a child to me, a 13-year-old girl. My oldest son, my oldest child, my son just turned 11. That's two years away. Like, I still look at him as a child. Now, that's a 13-year-old girl. Or she was 13 at the time. She's 16 now. Like, and you pay her to send you nudes, and then it only escalates from there. Like, dude, you should never see the outside of four concrete walls ever again. Like, you need to be, (laughs) I don't want to get into a a whole big rant. Like, I don't want this to turn into a hate speech. I don't want to be talking about people being sodomized in prison and everything. But that's what needs to happen, right? I can't be in the minority on this. So, that's something I'll definitely keep an eye on. Uh, There was a quote I do want to read at the end of this. It says, USA Fencing conducts annual background checks and requires annual safe sport training for all of our USA Fencing member coaches as part of our safe sport and minor athlete abuse prevention policies. Well, you fucking failed there. And this is coming from the spokesman for USA Fencing, Brian Wendell. He continued on said, we also communicate with our membership how to report potential acts of misconduct, and we take all reported allegations seriously. A lawyer for Peranio in his criminal case would not respond to comment to any one of the members of the press and media reaching out about the lawsuit. Fuck him. I hope he has to pay millions of dollars. Fuck him. I hope he goes to prison. Fuck him. I hope something bad happens to him. There ain't no biblical, I, you know, turn the other cheek shit here. That ain't happening. This was a child, a 13-year-old child that you pestered and pressured for pictures you pestered her for pictures okay you paid her for pictures at any rate uh moving on before i get extremely pissed off i uh found something a little interesting about horse track racing i wanted to put in here um coming up next month 
Belmont Park will hold its fall meet at Aqueduct during the construction of a uh, vehicle and pedestrian tunnel that will allow access to the horse track racing's 45-acre infield. Basically, they're allowing people to get into the infield, which is something that previously not a lot of people had access to and there wasn't big enough access to. Uh, the New York Racing Association said the 28-day Belmont at the Big A meet beginning next month would run through October 30th. The two tracks are located nine miles apart, and they indicated in its announcement that it will completely restruct the main dirt track and two turf of its courses, which will provide the opportunity to consider installation of a synthetic track in the future. So it's just, uh, you know, Belmont's one of isn't Belmont one of the big three? You've got the Kentucky Derby and the Preakness. Isn't isn't Belmont part of the Triple Crown? So that's something to look forward to. Did I just get a text from my co-host? I did not. Where are you at, Puss? I'm flying solo. Uh, well, I mean, I really wanted him here for this, but I guess I'll do it myself. <laughs> Take it easy, Puss. I'm just kidding when you hear this. Uh, news broke this afternoon that the NBA is going to honor... Uh, one of the greatest players of all time. He is the mountain that Mount Rushmore is carved out of, in my opinion. Bill Russell. They are going to retire his number six jersey for all 30 teams. He will be... Bill Russell is an 11-time champion, by the way. He won 11 titles. Bill Russell will be the only player in NBA history to have every team in the league retire his number six. A Bill Russell commemorative patch... Uh, on the right shape, on the right shoulder of the jerseys, and a clover-shaped logo with the number six on courts will be used all across the league for the 2022-2023 season coming up here in October when it starts, uh, according to the NBA Players Association. Uh, Adam Silver put out a statement saying Bill Russell's unparalleled success on the court and pioneering civil rights activism deserve to be honored in a unique and historic way permanently retiring his number six across every nba team ensures that bill's transcendent career will always be recognized now my phone is going ballistic there we go fix that shit Players who currently wear number six in the league, including my boy LeBron James from the Lakers and uh, Porzingod, Kristaps Porzingis from the Wizards, they're going to be grandfathered in and continue to use the number, which will not be again issued to any player the league said. A total of 25 players wore number six this past year in 2021-2022. Now, Russell died July 31st at the age of 88. The Celtics would win eight straight titles from 59 to 66 among his 11 overall, including two 68 and 69, while serving as both a player and the NBA's first black coach. So, I think this is absolutely phenomenal. Where do I put Bill Russell? All time for me, as far as where I put him, I put him in top 10. If I don't know if I put him top 5. I, put, I definitely put him top 10. But I I always heard I always use this quote 
And I stole this quote from Steve Gorman. For those of you who don't know who Steve Gorman is, Steve Gorman was the former original drummer for the Black Crows. You know, they're one of the most famous bands in the world. Steve Gorman is also a huge, huge sports guy. Okay, Steve Gorman had hosted a show on Fox Sports Radio for three or four years that I missed terribly. Uh, He did it with his cousin Jeffrey Gorman, who was a front office executive for the Indianapolis Colts. It was called Steve Gorman Sports, and I never forget, and that's why I have used this line repeatedly. I heard they were doing an episode back in 2015, maybe 2016. I don't remember what they were talking about, but I can vividly remember Steve Gorman hitting just a banger of a quote here. He said, you can put any face on the Mount Rushmore professional basketball that you want, but make no mistake, Bill Russell is the mountain that you carve it out of. And that stuck with me. And if you guys have heard in past episodes, I have used that for everything. I said, you know, it, you know, this person is the mountain you carve. Like, so I have inserted this into everything. I have officially stolen it. Shout out Steve Gorman. I miss Steve Gorman sports. But uh, this is a, a tremendous way to honor a guy whose life transcended sports you know a political activist what he did for you know being involved in everything in his community and rights for colored people and rights for everybody and there's no i think this is cool as shit that he's going to be the only player across the league to have his number retired for every team so i just think that's phenomenal and uh congratulations bill russell rest in peace so tonight's episode is is very hoop heavy and i think that might be what i title it you know weeknight chronicles episode you know hoop heavy because there is a lot of nba and collegiate basketball news there's other things but this is such a hoop heavy episode uh because we're gonna jump from right from this into um talking about COVID-19 in the NBA, which is another reason I wanted Puss here tonight. I don't know where homeboy's at. Maybe I'll try him one more time. Cause I just like seeing steam come out of his ears, which I mean I'm obviously we're remote tonight, so I can't, but steam comes out of his ears when I talk about COVID. I'm sorry, the person you are trying to reach has a voicemail box that has not been set up yet. Please, try your... Well, there's that. Excuse me for just a second. Hydration break. High quality H2O, as Bobby Boucher would say. Well, that popped the EQ. I have one and a half bottles of water, so. Okay, we're good. Well, I guess uh, word came down, I think it was yesterday, might have been today, uh, the NBA came out and informed players. No, it was was earlier in the week. It probably was Monday or Tuesday. It was was sometime this week. They came down this week and, and informed the players inform the teams, I should say, that the players still need to have either 
a primary course of a COVID-19 vax or be given medical clearance from a doctor in order to play games in Canada, according to the league memo that was sent out. Now, this is something me, you know, me and Kurt just did a uh, a full-blown current event. The difference between when we do full-blown current events and weeknight chronicles is full-blown current events is literally like a serious in-depth look at a shit ton of stories that we can't cover in a, in a fast amount of time because the whole premise of the weeknight chronicles is we either you know shoot the shit or we tell news you know whatever but they're only hour hour and a half top episodes and um if you go back to the episode we just did sunday night and we talked about this because covid is is very is very serious in canada you know you it don't matter what you do, you don't cross the border into canada without a vaccine so uh, of course you know toronto the raptors are up there so uh the memo would state basically that players sh- should players be ineligible to play in canada the teams must list them as out health and safety protocols and that they would lose their pay for any games missed due to being not vaccinated. And that's where I wanted Kurt here. Because Kurt's all about players getting their contracts busted in any sport. But when he hears that they're going to lose pay for not being vaccinated, Kurt would probably go through the roof of his uh, thriving single-wide mansion there. Because he's just... Uh, Kurt is... N- Kurt is not a very COVID-friendly person. He, uh, as he reminds me, you got stuck twice and got COVID twice. Yep, and I ain't been boosted, and I don't know if I'm going to. But anyway, <laughs> before we go on, hey, look, I get it, and I've said it before. We don't, we don't get too involved in this. If you want to get a vaccine, a vaccine, good. I support that. Thank you for doing your part for for helping people. However, if you don't get a vaccination, hey, good. Thank you for standing up for believing what you believe in. Neither Kurt nor I personally give a fuck whether you have a COVID-19 vaccine or not. Do not care. But how are you going to fucking find these guys and not pay them for not being vaccinated how are you going to find these guys that any of these guys that have to go across the border to play the raptors in toronto and you're going to find them because they're not vaccinated when it's their choice okay i get it they don't get to go play that's fine they're 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 a scratch but you can't find these guys you can't suspend their pay you know, okay, well, hey, this guy's not vaccinated. You know, he, he's supposed to make 20000 this game. He's not going. You can't do that to somebody. can't just take their money. What kind of hypocritical bullshit is that? Go up to Adam Silver and take money out of his pocket. Take money out of Roger Goodell's pocket. Take money out of Gary Bettman's pocket. Take money out of Rob Manford's pocket. Like, what the fuck are you doing, you clowns? Uh, so, like last season, though, ESPN reported that the uh, 
you know what? I'm just going to skip it because it's kind of pissing me off now. But basically, anyone going to Canada to play a game for against the Raptors, uh, they've got to be vaccinated. They have to be vaccinated to get into the country, as far as I know. And that's the same. That's There's some big pro wrestling shows coming up across the border. And some players or uh, wrestlers have been outspoken. Shout out me. I get wrestling reference in every episode, baby. Um, you don't, you know, yeah, yeah, we'll just, we'll just, we'll just keep saying, yeah, that's what we'll do. Get vaccinated or you ain't going across the border, I guess. So, I don't know. Like I said, I don't give a fuck either way, but you can't take these guys' money from them, man. It's like a solid dick move, dude. Like a solid, solid dick move. All right. Well, the next thing I want to talk about, and as I said, tonight's a very hoop-heavy episode. Uh, this was uh, talked about this week. Um, and this is some pretty actually heavy shit. I've been saying this episode's hoop-heavy. This is like emotionally heavy. And, of course, this is dealing with uh, the court date and the, the lawsuit in United States District Court about Kobe Bryant's uh, fatal accident in January of 2020 and the pictures that were taken on the scene by... Uh, Los Angeles County deputies and firefighters and first responders who sh- who shared photos of the remains of Kobe and the other victims of the helicopter crash. If you remember, uh, Kobe Bryant, his 13-year-old daughter, and seven other people uh, tragically perished in this helicopter crash. Uh, the, f- the foggy morning in Calabasas helicopter crash into the mountainside tragically ending the life of uh, arguably top five basketball player of all time now um, Vanessa Bryant's attorney Lewis Lee told jurors in his opening statement in district court in her invasion of privacy trial against the county that cell phone photos shot at the crash scene by a deputy and a fire captain were virtual gossip viewed for a laugh and had no official purpose. There was absolutely no reason for these men to take their personal cell phones and take pictures of this. They said they were shared by deputies playing video games. They were shared repeatedly with people who had absolutely no reason to receive these photos. Now, an attorney for Los Angeles County defended the taking of photos as an essential tool for first responders seeking to share information when they thought they might still save lives at the chaotic, dangerous, and, quote, hard-to-reach cast uh, crime scene in the Calabasas Hills, which is just uh, that east or west of L.A. That would be west, right? As you, <laughs> you guys can't see me, but I'm literally sitting here staring at the wall, moving my left hand this way and my right. Yeah, there would be left. Calabasas Hills would be west of L.A., so that would be 
left from where I'm sitting. Okay, but anyways, uh, yeah, so, so the attorney for the county of L.A. tried spinning this, saying that it's an essential tool for first responders seeking to share. Okay, the attorney for the county, uh, Mira Hashmall, said site photography is essential. It's like, you fucking bitch. Like, literally. Like, don't spin this. This is a. This is not just your average famous athlete. This is not just your average famous celebrity. This is Kobe. And above and beyond that, this is a human being with his 13-year-old daughter and seven other people who are all gone. The fuck do you need to be taking pictures with your own personal cell phones for? Pictures need to be taken... That's why there's that's why there's cameras. You know, we're all with digital photos and shit these days. You hang it around your neck, you pull it up, boop, 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 boop for evidence files. For boop, 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 boop for files to be looking at while they're in the autopsy room. Boop, 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 boop. You don't take them with your cell phone and send them to Johnny Two Bones living on the street in Compton so he can send it to his buddy and he send it to his buddy and he can send it to hit like what the fuck, you clowns. Vanessa Bryant was reported to have cried repeatedly during the lawyer's presentation. She was still wiping tears from her eyes after they took a long break to allow her to compose herself. Bryant's attorney told jurors, learning a month after the crash about the photo circulation, not from the county, but from the LA Times, added to her suffering. Like, And that's a whole other beef. Uh, I was... I think I briefly touched on this in our Kobe Bryant episode last July, a little over a year ago. I know I put posts on social media about it two years ago. Like, like the LA Times is on my shit list for this. Like, what are you doing? Uh, uh, Vanessa Bryant's attorney would say that January 26th was the worst day in Vanessa Bryant's life. The county of Los Angeles made it much worse. They poured salt into an open wound and rubbed it in. Man, think about that. Like, I love this attorney. Like, she's she's getting in there and hitting these motherfuckers right in the mouth. Now, Bryant's attorney would play jurors a security video of an off-duty sheriff's deputy drinking at a bar where he was seen showing photos to the bartender who can clearly be seen shaking his head in dismay, okay? The lawyer would then show an image of the men laughing together later. Lee described the firefighters looking at the phone photos two weeks later at an awards banquet and then showed the jury an animated chart documenting their spread of photos to nearly 30 different people. Lee said the county failed to conduct a thorough investigation to make sure every copy of the photos was accounted for and that because of the fear the photos would one day surface and her surviving children might see them online, Vanessa Bryant will be haunted by what these men did forever. And you know what? I'm not one that's all about, you know, boo-hoo and pouring it on for show and everything. This shit's legit. I believe Vanessa Bryant is extremely traumatized. This is ridiculous. And these boys are in deep shit. Every single one of these boys, if they haven't already, need to lose their need to lose their shields. The firefighters need to be kicked off. And these men need to be permanently put like an asterisk beside their name forever 
wherever they go that these are the dickheads passing around crime scene photos of one of the most beloved athletes and celebrities in the world along with the photos that included the body of his child and seven other people but now and there's more to this because i you know like i said it's a hoop heavy episode but now that during the defense's opening statement the attorney for the county told jurors the fact that the pitchers have not appeared in more than two years would show that, quote, leaders in the sheriff's office and fire department did their jobs. They're not online. They're not in the media. They've never been seen by the plaintiffs themselves. That is not an accident. That is a function of how diligent they were. Now, Sheriff Alex Villanueva and department officials immediately brought in those involved and ordered them to delete their photos rather than conduct a long official investigation that might hurt the families further. He picked what he viewed as the only option. Decisive action, Hashmal said. He felt like every second mattered. Now, attorney for the county, Hashmal, will go ahead and tell the jury that the reason Lee even had video of the bartender to exhibit was she suggested was deceptively, deceptively excuse me, edited to show the men laughing together was because the sheriff's department had gotten it the same day they received a complaint from another bar patron who witnessed the photo sharing. She said the deputy was struggling emotionally from the difficulty of dealing with the crash scene and that the bartender was a longtime friend in whom he was confiding. He pulled out his phone and that should not have happened, she said. In a lapse in judgment and a moment of weakness, he showed these photos to the bartender and he has regretted it every day of his life. The defense attorney urged the jurors to look past the grief of those who brought the lawsuit and focus on the matter before them. So... She said, there's no doubt these families have suffered. It's unspeakable, but this case is not about the loss from the crash. It's about the pitchers. So to, to bring this all to close, Chris Chester, uh, his wife, Sarah, and daughter Peyton were, were on the plane. They were killed, obviously killed in the crash. He's, a pl he's a, another plaintiff in the lawsuit, and he's speaking an unspecified amount of millions of dollars. Now the county has the county of Los Angeles has already agreed to pay like two and a half three million dollars to settle a similar case brought by two families whose relatives died in the crash. Now Vanessa Bryant and Chester declined to settle. Kobe Bryant, of course, you know, and his daughter Gianna, they were they were on their way to a uh, girls basketball tournament when this all happened. So you know, rest in peace, Mamba. I love Kobe. Um, but yeah, this was, this was a fucked up mess from the get go. Like these boys had a text. Is this Kurt? He ain't got service or he's out of minutes. So it's okay. We'll just, we'll do a solo here. So, but anyways, um, what these boys did, what the, what these guys did ever since this story broke two years ago like i've just been baffled by this like i can't imagine i can't imagine coming up on a crime scene i would like to know at what point people knew who was all in the helicopter at what point did someone know hey this is kobe's chopper that's what i want to know did you know that this was kobe's chopper when you first got there or when you were en route like, how soon did you discover it was Kobe's chopper? Because I just want to know, like, because if you're just going up taking photos of, of, of a, you know, a horrible crash scene, 
with like nine victims. That's fucked up to begin with. But if you're going up taking a photos of crash scene and involving bodies, you can see what's left of bodies laying there. And then you find out it's Kobe's and you're, you know, like, like I said, I think these boys need to have their shields taken. If they haven't, I don't, I don't know. I haven't dug any more into the research of the case. I never want to. This is a tragic thing. But these boys need their shields pulled. And the people and the first responders don't need to be first. Like, I'm serious. Like, there needs to be a precedent set. Like, hey, give them a PP, spank them, and send them on their way. Sorry, guys. You're not going to be first responders anymore. You're not going to be on the fire department anymore. You're not going to work for the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department anymore. Sorry. Go work security at Starbucks. Or not Starbucks. Go work security. Why did I say Starbucks? It's in security. Anyways. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Um, but I hope they get their pee-pee spanked here. Now, I do have some baseball news that directly ties into Kurt. Kurt, you're not here. And this is about the Los Angeles Dodgers pitcher Trevor Bauer. Now, we've touched on this multiple times in our Weeknight Chronicle episodes. Uh... But some more news has came to light about this this week. So the San Diego woman who alleged that Bauer had um, sexually assaulted her, she has filed a countersuit now to his defamation claim. Uh, and she's alleging, you know, the Dodgers pitcher beat her and left her bruised. Now, Trevor Bauer has denied all of this about abusing the woman. Uh, he met through social media. He sued her for defamation of character back in April, claiming she lied about a whole lot of shit, and she's out to destroy his reputation and career while making herself some cheddar. Well, if you guys can remember, for those of you that don't, Major League Baseball suspended Trevor Bauer for 324 games. That's two years. They suspended him for two years. Uh, a ruling made after Bauer had sued the woman. He said he engaged in, uh, and this is this is where Kurt and I, if you go back in our archives, it's it's in there somewhere. It's in some of the first few Weeknight Chronicle episodes we did. If you go back and, and, and you know, we talked about this. Trevor Bauer came out and said, hey, you know, and I like rough sex. She consent, she was consensual to, she consented. It was consensual to rough sex. She likes it rough. I like it rough. So then like Kurt and I had talked about, then it becomes the point of what is too rough and what is abuse? Because if you're both liking rough sex, you both, and you're consenting to it, then what, where do you, where do you draw the line? You know? So, uh, you know, now her, now she filed a battery claim this week. Uh, alleging that he punched her and choked her on two different occasions during sex in 2021. Punching, yeah, some are into it. Choking, tell me what, there's a lot of people out there that like being choked during sex, let me tell you. That's the thing. You know, the generation ahead of us or our parents or grandparents' generation, and they might not be into that. My generation, like people that are 35 and under, people that are 40 and under, yeah, that's a shit, that's a thing that happens regularly. Okay, that's that's you know, 
So Bauer's attorney would then come out today releasing a statement, uh, basically finger-pointing a Los Angeles Superior Court judge's decision last year denying the woman a restraining order. The judge said that she had been materially misleading and part of her request. You know, she misled the court and could not meet the lowest burden of proof in their judicial system because her claims were false, according to Bauer's attorneys. She is being sued for defamation of character to be held accountable for her lies and the damage it has caused to Mr. Bauer. Now, her countersuit is basically a regurgitation of her judicially disproven claims and yet under another attempt to defame Trevor Bauer and seek profit from her lies. So now her lawsuit says that her life has been turned into a nightmare by a powerful man who mercilessly battered her and counted on facing no consequences whatsoever for his despicable conduct. After one encounter, the woman ended up with two black eyes according to the filing. The lawsuit demands a jury trial and unspecified damages. So now, in response to Bauer's defamation lawsuit, the woman denied allegations by his lawyers that she made false, misleading, or defamatory police report. And she also denied she had altered or filtered photographs in requesting a restraining order against Trevor Bauer in June of 2021. The woman denied she had planned to destroy Bauer's reputation or career or exploited him for money, although she admits she was angry at the plaintiff because he had sexually assaulted her. The Los Angeles DA's office has declined to file criminal charges against Bauer. Now, Bauer is also suing two media outlets for the defamation over their coverage of the allegations. Um, and he's currently appealing his suspension by Major League Baseball. There's been no timetable for the ruling yet. Now, if you go back... Uh, I can't remember all the details on this. If you go back to our Weeknight Chronicle episodes, like I said, we covered this in two or three of them. I think the... Um, we talked quite a bit about this. Uh, where I think somebody had overheard her talking about she was going to extort money out of this situation. And here's the deal. We are in such a... And I've said this before. The last five to ten years of this country we have been in such a politically correct woke in a women's me first me too movement and that is fantastic women need equality women need to stand up for themselves women need to bring evidence against people who have physically mentally sexually abused them okay if trevor bauer did anything that this woman didn't consent to, lock him up and throw away the fucking key. Hands down. But when both of you are saying that you like rough sex and it was consensual, this is where it becomes hard to prove because where does the line get drawn? You know, and I don't want to get too into like not safe for work shit, but take it from somebody that's got a little bit of a... um I guess you'd call it a kink side. You know, I don't want to get too public with shit. Uh, there's some people that can that like a lot of crazy stuff, and they can take an absorbent amount of punishment. That's why safe words are invented. That's why procedures are put in place. That's why you have hard limits and soft limits. That's why you know what one person is okay with and what one person isn't okay with. That's why you ask these questions before it starts. 
not always, but you get the idea. But if they're both into the rough thing, how do you prove where it, you know, if, if he, if Trevor's got her backed up into a corner in the room and, you know, he's swinging away at her face with a fucking tire iron, lock him up. Don't ever let him see the outside of prison walls. But if he's just choking the shit out of there and he's just up there and he's just pile driving it, how is that? You know, I guess we'll just, <laughs> this got way off because Kurt's going to hear some more. I'm like, were you talking about pile driving? Yeah, pile driving, pumping pussy, the whole works, you know. We had to. It was for the news. It was the research. It's the show. We had to. Talk about just spreading eagle and just going to pound town. But anyways, <laughs> this is a situation that's worth keeping an eye on. And I, you know, like I said, I am going to support Trevor Bauer because and there's more evidence is needed to prove what happened. So for right now, I am going to stab Trevor Bauer. The fact that they suspended him for 324 games, that's two seasons. That's two seasons without pay. Now, granted, you know, this is where Kurt bitches contracts. And contracts are the worst in Major League Baseball out of the big four. But still, this dude's not getting any money for two years. Yeah, I mean, he'll maybe he'll get him from endorsements. I don't know how many he's lost, and maybe he'll find other ways. But basically, his biggest source of income for the next two years is gone. 324 games. That's two years. You know, that stings anybody's pocketbook. Damn it, puss. I wish you were here to talk about this with me. All right, guys. So we got some Big Ten news. I know we don't. We got some Big Ten news. A little bit of collegiate once. So, and what I mean by Big Ten news is the Big Ten is uh, finalizing a deal right now for a new media rights agreement that will add CBS and NBC to the league's lineup, which will end a partnership with uh, ESPN that's been around probably longer than I have been alive. So now Fox is going to remain the Big Ten's main media partner. That Fox money is going nowhere. Uh, And they had representatives attend uh, negotiations with other potential partners during the past few months. Now, the Big Ten six-year media rights deal with Fox and ESPN is set to expire next year. ESPN and the Big Ten have been partners for football media rights since the early 1980s. ABC, which is like ESPN because it's owned by the same parent company, which is Disney. As you guys know, Disney owns everything. Walt Disney will end up owning the World Wrestling Entertainment by the time it's all said and done. Uh, anyways... Uh, ABC first started televising Big Ten games back in the 60s, late 60s. Now, the Sports Business Journal first reported the outline of the Big Ten's media agreement and ESPN being booted out. So now, according to sources, ESPN has rejected the Big Ten's final offer of a seven-year, $380 million agreement. Seven years, $380 million. Okay, which would have included rights to fewer marquee games than the network's current agreement. 
The offer, however, did not include a direct-to-consumer package, which ESPN values through its own growth of ESPN Plus, which has been phenomenal. I am an ESPN Plus member. Cost me like seven bucks a month, and I can get access to a lot of content. I can watch games on my phone for games that are out of market, especially NHL games. Uh, but just anyways, I'm rambling here. So now, the Big Ten's new agreement will likely feature CBS broadcasting football games in a mid-afternoon time slot, which has previously been. Uh, as I don't even have to say it, you guys already know it. That's been dominated by SEC football for years. Because unfortunately, in this country, when people think football, they think the Southeastern Conference is the only conference that that there is. Uh, and I'm sick and fucking tired of the SEC. Now, granted, I do like watching the LSU Tigers. I do like watching Tennessee Volunteers. And I do like watching Auburn. Hashtag War Damn Eagle. But, anyways, that's just been a dominated time slot, as we all know, from the SEC. So now, sorry, got distracted. Come on, focus. You got to carry this show yourself tonight. So now, beginning in 2024, ESPN will exclusively broadcast SEC games as part of a 10 year agreement. NBC, which carries Notre Dame football games, will likely have Big Ten football in the evening window as part of the new agreement. So the Sports and Business Journal had reported that both CBS and NBC were set to pay about $350 million for their Big Ten packages. That's a lot of scratch. Uh, The Big Ten Conference is currently working with world-class partners to complete multifaceted media rights agreements. A Big Ten representative would say in a statement that was provided to ESPN. He continues on as saying, the overall constructs of the new rights agreements have not been finalized. The conference continues to have productive meetings with both linear and direct-to-consumer media partners. We are committed to delivering unparalleled unparalleled, resources and exposure opportunities for the Big Ten Conference member institutions, athletic programs, student-athletes, coaches, and our very best fans. We are very thankful to the media companies who recognize the value of the Big Ten programming, and we want to deliver on it for our fans around the world in a forward-thinking manner. Now, back on July 26th, the commissioner of the Big Ten, Kevin Warren, said at Football Media Days that he looked forward to welcoming new media partners into the league. Warren said, this is not just a one-unit television deal. This is going to be forward-thinking. I want people 20 years from now to look back and go wow man they were ahead of the curve on that deal now the big tens new media rights agreement which still must be approved by league presidents and chancellors is reported to bring the league more than one billion dollars annually which goes back to what i've always said sports is a business if there's money to be made somehow anyway somehow involved with sports if there's money to be made in sports it will be made a billion dollars a year annually in revenue wow that's uh i'll just go ahead and give you a little applause on that that's uh that's a lot of scratch man 
Uh, where are we at here now? Oh, Kurt would like this. Got a little NASCAR news. Kurt always Kurt always appreciates a little bit of NASCAR because it's you know thought to be a dying sport. So we always try to throw some NASCAR shit at you. Uh, Kurt Busch said yesterday that uh, he's pushed himself too hard trying to make a return to NASCAR, and he's going to miss the fourth consecutive Cup Series race due to concussion-like symptoms. NASCAR now has a, a significant concussion protocol system in place for the last, I don't know, five, six, seven, eight years, uh, and uh, they're really taking it. very. And, I, and I'll commend them for that. Uh, chromatic, uh, chronic traumatic encephalopathy, CTE, concussions, that's some serious shit shit you don't mess around with you know shit we still were not that familiar with 15 years ago as sad as it is to say as fast as technology has changed in this world still 15 years ago people weren't that familiar with it yet and uh nascar's really been one of the front runners in taking sick i mean you hit a wall running a buck 80 you don't die you're lucky i mean you're lucky a concussion is the worst thing you have and Bush has been out. Uh, he crashed qualifying at Pocono back on uh, July 23rd. So he's not been on, you know, he's not been back in the car since, and that's a good thing. I mean, I know, I know, on the outside, you you appear, you think you're well, you appear well, but you don't know what's going on with your brain. You can't see beneath the skin. That's what you have doctors and shit for. And it's tremendous that these guys are, you know, these doctors are able to just keep these guys out of the cars. Heaven forbid you hit the wall doing a buck seventy again. Your brain's already swelled. So uh, I want to actually commend NASCAR. Like, that's my belief. Like, these guys have completely, you know, really taken CTE and concussion protocols. Tremendous. And I just think that's fabulous. So, uh, I'm going to give a applause. Can I give an applause again? Hats off to NASCAR, man. Yeah. So, uh, here we go. Here's some more basketball news. I forgot about this. So, like I said, tonight's episode is probably going to be titled Hoop Heavy. Because there's just so much basketball news. NBA-wise... And otherwise, and it, and I had to put this in here because it involves the Big Ten and because it involves one of my favorite coaches and it involves what I think is, you know, when I talk about those legendary collegiate coaches, this is another one of those top 10 of all time, top 15 guys, and that's Michigan State's Tom Izzo. And he got paid. So, um... Now, what's the total amount on this contract? Didn't I put that in here? I thought I put that in there. Well, you know what? We're just going to look. We're just going to look real fast. I thought I put the total amount in. Izzo got an extension, and he got paid. So, uh, let's just check ESPN real fast and see what they say. Yeah, $31 million. Okay, so here we go. So they signed Izzo. Oh, and now my computer's not, you're really not going to work on me now? Here we go. 
So Michigan State signed Izzo to a five-year deal valued at about $6.2 million per year, averaging out to about thirty-five or $31 million. So that's about $2 million more each year. The school uh, announced the deal saying the rollover contract will have to be approved by its board next month. There's nobody in the world that has any reason to believe it won't be approved. Uh, University President Sam Stanley went on record saying that we greatly appreciate Coach Izzo's commitment to our outstanding university and his competitive drive to keep Spartan basketball as a national powerhouse. And it is. Okay, there's certain coaches in certain schools you look at through the season and you're like, those guys could win the tournament. Those guys got a fighting chance with that guy at coaching. Damn, them guys, they'll make the Final Four with that guy. At least the Sweet 16. You Certain guys you look at for that, you know, like Chichetsky when he was at Duke, Williams when he was at North Carolina, Bayheim at Syracuse, uh, Beeline at uh, Michigan, you know, Huggins at West Virginia, Sean Miller at Arizona, fucking Calipari at Kentucky, Patino when he was at Louisville, Izzo at Michigan State. Like certain guy, Bill Self at Kansas, you know. So, Izzo was inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame in 2016. He won a national championship in 2000. He leads all active coaches right now with eight Final Four appearances. He led Michigan State to a 24th straight NCAA tournament bid last season. He's won the Big Ten title 10 times in the regular season. He's won six conference tournament championships. He's 67 years old, and for those of you wondering, when did Izzo take helm at Michigan State? It was 95-96 when he replaced drum roll, and Kurt would get this. Let me, wait, can I hit a drum roll? Judd Heathcote. So... All right, we're about getting to the end. I got a couple more things left, so I wanted to, I wanted to, I wanted to round the night out with a little bit of tennis news. One of them is uh, big news, and the other one is just one of these stupid what the fuck moments that Kurt always seems to appreciate when I dig news out about stuff we don't normally cover. So there's a Pennsylvania man who pleaded guilty to bribing. <laughs> Hang, hang on, let me let me get a drink first because this is stupid, but it's funny. Okay, sorry, that was like 15 seconds of dead air. So, there's a Pennsylvania man who pleaded guilty to bribing a Georgetown tennis coach to get his daughter into the school. He got sentenced today to a month in home detention. Robert Rapella, he's a former pharmaceutical executive, so he's got money to pay for this fine. He's agreed to pay he agreed to pay then Georgetown tennis coach Gordon Ernst about $120,000 to have his daughter designated as a tennis recruit for Georgetown. You know, which uh, Georgetown's one of the most prestigious universities in America, I believe. It's it's based in Washington D.C. Um Unlike other parents charged in this uh, in this big college admissions bribery scandal that 
you know, went all over the news in the last year or two. This guy, uh, emissions consultant Rick Singer and Rapella, simply arranged the deal directly with Coach Ernst. Uh, Rapella was sentenced to one year of probation with home detention through Labor Day. He was ordered to serve 220 hours of community service. And like I said, this guy's a former pharmaceutical company executive, so he knows he's got the money. He's paying almost a quarter of a million dollars. He's paying just under a quarter mil. He's paying $220,000 in fines. More money than I'll ever see in my life. But for this guy, jump change. So now prosecutors had sought to get this guy at least a month behind bars saying this guy basically, quote, took an active role in the scheme by initiating emails and meetings with Coach Ernst. Now, Rapello's lawyer said in court papers that his client's daughter had the grades and the athletic ability to get into Georgetown on her own and play tennis there. You hear that? Crickets. You know why? Because we're all thinking, why the fuck didn't she do it, right? So now, Ernst told Rapello that he had to support the tennis program if he wanted his daughter to play there, and instructed him to wrote to write blank checks to make sure the funds actually went to the program. But instead, Ernst pocketed the money like a dick. <laughs> so, uh, let's see. Uh, defense attorney Robert Fisher said, We are pleased that Mr. Appella received probation and that one of the main factors that led to that result is his daughter's academic and athletic information submitted to Georgetown was entirely accurate. His daughter recently graduated from Georgetown and is in good standing with the university. Now, Rapella pleaded guilty in 2020 to conspiracy to commit mail fraud and honest services mail fraud. Coach Ernst was sentenced in July to two and a half years in prison for pocketing more than $3 million in bribes in exchange for helping wealthy parents cheat their kids into school. Ernst's punishment is by far the longest sentence that has been handed down so far in the massive case involving bribery to get children into schools. Now, Singer, that we were talking about a few minutes ago, he's scheduled to be sentenced in November. Now, he's pleaded guilty to multiple felonies. Like, this dude's fucked. Like, he's pleaded guilty to multiple felonies after helping authorities build the massive case by secretly recording his conversations with various parents and athletic coaches, okay? So more than 50 people were convicted in the Operation Varsity Blues case that exploded into the headlines in March of 2019. The last defendant linked to the investigation to go to trial was acquitted by all jurors on all accounts. Another defendant was pardoned by former President Donald Trump and a third defendant got a deal that is expected to lead to the complete dismissal of his case. And then the last one here, and uh, boy, that font is small. Uh, we'll talk about Serena Williams, one of the best to ever do it. That's kind of where I wanted to end it tonight. Serena announced uh, earlier this week that her career is basically starting to wind down. She's wanting to um, spend time with a family, grow a family, and she's pretty much suggested that the U.S. Open, which is coming up later this month, that's a major, uh, she's basically admitted that, you know, 
this is probably going to be her final tournament. She didn't like using the word retirement. She just basically uh, used the word evolution, I guess you would say, just kind of just kind of driving it there. I'm looking for the next evolution in my life. I, I'm I'm evolving. I'm not retiring. So she kind of she put out basically a first person type essay, a letter to the fans, an essay basically on Vogue.com earlier this week. You know, and it, and it, it was uh, I don't have all the quotes here. It was it was a beautiful read. If you are a if you are a sports fan, if you are a pro woman fan, just about strong independent women. Uh, if you are about you know like uh, the racial justice, like s- strong independent colored women, however you want to spin this, colored woman strong, independent woman strong, no color needed, whatever. This is a tremendous read because yeah, I think a lot of tennis. I think like McEnroe and I think Novak Djokovic and Federer and all these guys. But I think Venus and Serena first. Like, it's it's been that way for me since as long as I can remember. So, I read the article. It was uh, it was emotional. I won't lie; it was kind of emotional. You know, she said that. Um, uh. Damn it, I lost my place here. You know, she was quoted as saying, or, well, not quoted, I mean, it's what she said in the article. She said, I've been reluctant to admit to myself or anyone else that I have been moved, that I have to move on from playing tennis. She said, My husband Alexis and I, we hardly talk about it. It's like a taboo topic. I can't imagine having this conversation with my mom and dad. It's not real until you say it out loud. Now, she's playing, and unfortunately she lost today. She's currently playing at the Canadian Open. Uh, you know, Monday she had won her first match in like a year and a half. Maybe not quite a year and a half, maybe a little less. Uh, to advance the second round. Now, I can't remember the girl's name she faced today, but she did lose today. I mean, that's not it. It's not over. She's not retiring yet, like. We still have to get through to the, you know, the open. Uh, next, the opens next week or the week after. Uh, you know, she's gonna it, and coming into the to the U.S. Open. You know, she's like one. She's like one major away from tying Margaret Court's record which would put her at like 23 or 24 majors. So, you know, there, there's that. Um, she, Serena's not really been... Serena's not really been that on fire in recent years. You know, she's had some hamstring injuries. She's had some meltdowns. She's, uh, you know... But she's coming, she's bounced back a little bit. Uh, so, what I remember last year was uh, she tore her hamstring. And I didn't, re- I didn't remember that it was at Wimbledon. I had to, um, I had to read that. But I remember she fucking up her leg. 
and she wasn't sure if she was coming back. And it was Tiger Woods, of all people, who inspired her to get back on the court. She came back, uh, you know. So now she won her last Grand Slam title while pregnant back in 2017 at the Australia Open. Uh, she said her daughter has been asking her for her siblings for some time. And Williams acknowledges the unfairness she felt in having to choose between her career and having a family. So, uh, and just a little bit of rundown. She's turning 41 years old this month. Uh, she began her professional career in 1995 as a 14-year-old and has since become one of the greatest to ever play the sport with 73 career single titles, four Olympic gold medals, and 319 weeks at number one. Of course, you can't talk about Serena without Venus, her older sister. Together, the pair have won 14 major doubles titles. Now, Venus is about a year older. She's 42. She lost her first-round match at the Open on Monday and hasn't said anything about her future. Now, uh, Serena is the was the second-highest-paid female athlete in the world last year. So... You know, but Venus and Serena, you think about where they came from. You know, they came from Compton, a rough part of Compton, and their dad just drilled sports into their head. I'm sure he drilled academics too, but it was sports, 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 and look at them go and look at what they became. Think about think about all the young women that these two young women have inspired. The things that they can do. Like, I'm telling you, she debuted in 95. Okay? I first remember hearing about Venus and Serena when I was in middle school. So, you're looking like, or not middle, junior high. So, you're looking like 2000. And by the time I got to my senior year of high school in 05 and 06, like, these girls were just fucking ripping it. Like, tearing the tennis world to pieces. They were on fire. They were everywhere celebrities making money hand over fist everybody wanted to talk to them everybody wanted to talk about them and look what they've look what they became so you know congratulations on a hell of a career serena you i don't i don't want to use the word retired if you're not but whatever you choose to be the next step in your life and your you know if that's you know the end of your career that I don't think you have a a damn thing to look back on and regret. You know, I you know, thank you for your contributions to the to the sport of tennis. Thank you for your contribution to all sports in general and to the world. You know, these girls are, you know, very big in philanthropy and, and charity and giving back to the communities cuz these are two little girls that grew up in the hard world of Compton, California. And look at them now. So, I and that takes care of all the everything on tonight's uh, hoop heavy weeknight chronicles hoop heavy. We cover some other stuff, but it's hoop heavy tonight. Basketball, pro and college, hoop heavy, hoop heavy, hoop heavy. I love that. Uh, I had a whole list of episodes picked out for me and Kurt. I've got plans this weekend, so we're not recording, which is when we should be. The next weekend, I have kids, so we're tentatively looking at two weeks till we get together again. And I had uh, 
I had five really good episodes picked out for Kurt to pick. Super Bowl ten, which was his Steelers over the Cowboys. Super Bowl thirteen, which was his Steelers over the Cowboys. A Pete Rose recap. Uh, the top ten goalies, and I mean when I say top ten, I mean top ten. There is no stretching a top ten list to top twenty five. We're not doing that again. And then five was uh, Tyson versus Holyfield. Looking back, where we look back at the rivalry and we look down and, and we look back and break down the the two fights, including the infamous uh, Tyson biting Holyfield's ear off, and Mills Lane being like, "What the fuck?" and disqualifying him. So. But now Kurt's not here. So I'll have to text him about that over the weekend. Uh, And yeah, uh, as far as uh, what's going on with us, like I said, uh, you know, September 10th, a month month ago yesterday, or a month from yesterday, uh, collaboration with After Two Beers Podcast. I cannot talk about this enough. What these guys are going to do for us as far as putting us on the map a little bit more. Or a lot a bit more because of the clout that they have and how well they're known not only across the state of Indiana but across the the Midwest and the country. The laundry list of guests that they've had, Nikki Glazier, Jeremy Piven, you know, Brad Williams, everybody that's the TJ Miller, everybody that's been a part of this, um, that's associated with these guys. And like I said, we're doing the big sports card episode with them and then uh third graciously agreed to do an episode with us i'm gonna hook up my equipment um hook their mics and headphones up into my port jack over here and uh god knows what we're gonna talk about and uh, and again shameless plug speaking of uh sports cards uh again check out our page on facebook there's a page and there is a for sale group that you can join you can join and you can list stuff in there for buy sell or trade it's Patoka Playmaker Cards and Memorabilia. We are uh, really getting heavy into this. I sorted through thousands of, not thousands, I'm sorting through thousands and thousands of cards, but I did a heavy two, 300 card sort the last couple of days. It just takes time to sort everything, and you got to have gloves on, or I do because I'm picky. You got to take pictures, you got to research, you got to write down so you can keep track of your inventory. So I'm slowly getting things up there, as is my partner. But we would appreciate you guys checking it out. If you have anything you want to sell in there, join the group. If you have anybody you want to add, add them to the group. But uh, anyways, this is uh, I guess this concludes a uh, flying solo edition of Steel Toes and Scoreboards. So for my absent homeboy, who uh, is either A, no minutes, B, no service, or C, my favorite joke, Ron White, He's passed out naked in a beanbag chair eating Cheetos at his house right now. So, for that guy, the homie Kirk Kelly, I'm Jared Atkins. As always, we appreciate your support here on Steel Toes and Scoreboards. Check out our Patreon at patreon.podbean.com forward slash STSB. Don't contribute if you don't want to. That's just a couple projects going on that we're looking for don't have to donate nothing all we appreciate is that if you guys like the podcast you share the podcast and tell people about the podcast so again for the final time for the homie kirk kelly i'm jared atkins and we will see you guys next time